0: Let's sit. Let's learn. Let's evolve. Let's talk. Today is Let's Talk Business with your host, Jai Lawton. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Business. My name is Jai Lawton, a bedroom man from Central West Queensland and your host for the weekly Let's Talk Business series. Before we start, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands we broadcast here in the west west end of Brisbane and all across the country, wherever you are listening. I'd like to acknowledge the unceded sovereignty of all First Nations people across the many nations in this continent and acknowledge all Elders, past and present. Today we are speaking to Murray Saylor, the Founder and Managing Director of Tagai Management Consultants, an award-winning management consultancy specialising in procurement, supply chain, business advisory, community development and advanced future services across Australia and the Asia-Pacific region. Hello and welcome to the program, Murray.
1: Great to catch up with you, my brother.
0: No, always a pleasure. Can we start with your mob and your country?
1: Yeah, no worries. Just, firstly, just want to acknowledge um, our mob on, that are listening and also across our wonderful country, both Aboriginal or a Strait. And also, in particular, I just want to pay respects to any brothers and sisters that are dealing with any social and emotional well being issues in their lives at the moment because obviously it's a, it's a big killer mm. and it affects our community both culturally and within our day to day life. Mm. Um, my name's Murray Sailor. I'm a Thumset tribal member from Arab, that's Stanley Island, in the eastern part of the Torres Strait. Also, I'm tribally connected to Mare, um, which is uh, Murray Island, for the Zagreb tribe. Uh, my family, the Sailor family, um, have connections not only in the Torres Strait but also um, down down here in the mainland amongst all Aboriginal um, families and tribes. Um, as some of our families obviously connected to brothers and sisters on on our various communities. Throughout Australia and here in Queensland, and also due to you know before 1967 uncles and aunties were, were sent off country for various silly things um, and brought down and that' also connects through our, our then days the mission, that mission admission life as well
0: mm, yeah and you mentioned the Arab and um, what a deadly uh, football team eh uh, just recently in the taking out the Queensland Murray Carnival and then um, just going down in that interstate challenge but uh, what a deadly slide.
1: Yeah, you know, really, really talented and um, really great initiative by um, the people of their little brother, um, Elio Warren and, and, and his family, and also everyone that's involved um, in regards to creating that, and also but making sure that it's all connected back to country, which all, obviously all our Murray and Curry, um teams are trying to do, mm. but also trying to use sport as an avenue for them to, to um, aspire and also create a new life for themselves and their family, which is deadly.
0: Yeah, and Tago, I sponsored, sponsored them all too too, eh?
1: Yeah, yeah, we've been a sponsor. Share humbly, you know, by giving back to our community. It's the biggest impact our businesses can be doing. I know, one of the further conversation about that type of stuff, but it's about active, actively committing and investing in our young people and our communities back on our homelands is really, really important for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and we're big supporter of the stuff we do here too, Moes. I really, really appreciate that. And we'll, we'll get into so Tagay itself. Um, it's it's such a significant name. Um, can you tell us the 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 meaning behind it?
1: Yeah, it's true, my brother. Um, basically, it's based on a, um, a story, a very significant myth and legend story from up in the, the Torres Strait, which also, to this day, um, helps guide us in regards to how we interact and create relationship, continuing relationship with land, sea, country, the air, the universe, and basically what the story is is based around. Togo was a fisherman. Mm-hmm. Um, he went out with the crew. His crew was about 12, 12 warriors that went out. In aggregate in canoe just going hunting obviously for for our people to catch a, you know fish and, and various other bits and pieces um really really hot day um he's gone separately he's left his warriors in the canoe the fish and all that type of stuff and um don't any water so they started drinking all the water and some of his water was left so they decided to drink the leader's water as you know it's probably a probably a really bad thing mm. he returned he was just pretty angry but in then that show my brother he killed all the whole 12... um 12 of his crew, so they were Zugabals, which were basically beings who took on a human form, and he placed them into the stars. The star, constellation is actually called tagai and it's actually made up of um, Orion. It's all around the, you know, Orion, the Southern Cross, all those things I won't go into and bore our listeners with another detail, but what it does do today is provide us with a reminder that our people, our families, our tribes, and continuous sustainability and continuing existence relies on us working together, working collaboratively, but also astronomy plays a big part in both Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture. And our people up north, up in the Torres Strait, obviously the seas is how we navigate, it's how we procreate, it's how we harvest. It's when we go and hunt on country to make sure that those assets, those resources like dual and football and all those other things that we do and also all, those, all that plant life, is there for our generations moving forward
0: into the future? Yeah, deadly. And I love love that about Indigenous businesses. Like some might just see it as a name, but explaining that deep significance and meaning behind the name of uh, of your business is um, yeah, it's it's really it's really deadly to see. Thanks, Paul. Um, let's look. Let's look at so Tagoa Management Consultants is a procurement and supply chain consultancy business, amongst mm. other things. So, to the average listener out there, can you explain what what that is?
1: But basically what we do, um, my brother, is um, we work with our customers, which are primarily government, um, big private firms, corporates and our communities, most importantly, about understanding how they can, one, establish and manage their contracts in country or in their businesses better, but also how they can create greater impact within their supply chains. That is their organisations and the network on who they work with with other suppliers to gain greater opportunity or brothers and sisters to actually get, one, business opportunities, which is procurement, um, two, in regards to their workforce or their employment, education and training, and more importantly, about developing meaningful relationships that enhance an organization's existence but also their competitive, um, the competitive footprint in, in relation to the industry that they work in. Yeah, and
0: it's an important thing because, you know, all these... Big corporates and governments and all the things—they spend money on these things anyway, right? Like they're spending mm-hmm. money on stationary right through to you know massive big contracts in in their different industries and sectors. And so to, to understand that supply chain, as you said, and and try and make sure that there is diversity in that in that supply chain, and not just going from one corporate to another corporate and 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 maintaining this whole capitalist structure um, that is only about benefiting you know solely one person or one organisation, I think mm. that's important work that you're doing there in terms of making sure that Indigenous people uh, have those opportunities within their supply chain and, uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's really... It's
1: the and then, then the other aspect of that, brother, around that procurement supply chain management is also assisting those businesses and organisations to do better business around um, sort of embedding smarter contractual process, how they negotiate... Um, how do you work with your suppliers to get better value? Because remember that if we don't... The money is not just about how can you, how can you take that to, one, create commercial value for your organisation, but in a lot of instances now, and it's a growing field, is how do you actually create greater social impact mm. for the region and the footprint that you're trying to create. It just makes it, it a competitive advantage as well. I just want to share that quickly, my brother.
0: Absolutely. And social impact, you know, alongside cybersecurity and... Uh, you know, and environmental impact, social impact I think is, you know, it's on everyone's radar at the moment and it's um it's good to see that that, that wave is shifting. Mm. And um and so you just mentioned there, so you work across a, a, a range of different sectors from and in industries from, you know, the big guys at defense through to infrastructure, aviation, renewable energy, you know, mobbing the resource sector, technology, talking about exporting and importing. Um, as well as back with you know the, our mob and our community. So how do you find mm. that? You know, walking into uh, a big defence meeting with the big guys as a black fella and as a black business, how do, how do you how do you find that?
1: Um, my brother, I think I'm always mindful, and you know, if um, for brothers and sisters who you know me, um, uh, you know, when you come from really really humble beginnings, and I will just talk straight here, bruss, but. You know, when you come from growing up in Housing Commission against the backdrop of grog, yarn, the mm-hmm. extreme violence, you know, welfare dependency was Central and social security was a big part of of the cycle in the day to day yarns. Mm. Um it makes you I, I remember those days, brother, every day. Every time I go into a meeting, I'm very, very mindful and I take it very, very seriously that um I am I'm representing more than, than the self. So you know, I think the biggest peaceful a lot of us as indigenous persons and me as a black fellow, going into these meetings and, and engagement in this community, is that I'm always mindful, of us I'm always mindful of where where I've come from. Um, not too in regards to it, it doesn't create it doesn't create the narrative for me when I'm talking to these people, but internally and spiritually, it provides the passion and the knowledge base for the reason why I'm doing it, and I don't get caught up in the noise of sometimes when Miguilu or Polite people put on um, our brothers and sisters. I always remain humble, and I don't get caught up in the noise that actually can be created around people trying to strike your ego, trying to get the outcome, mm. but um, but always keep you mindful that we're always humble, we're always grateful for all the opportunities, but there's a bigger opportunity here to influence these major supply chains and these people that are wanting to listen and wanting to learn yeah. in a lot of instances to, one, also give them a, give them a story and also have them be enabled to be able to um, garnish more opportunities for our mob, and one of the things, Brasson, I can just continue. Um, The the biggest thing for me, my brother is, and I share very, very humbly, is I've got nothing to lose for the benefit. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to benefit and influence positive footprints for all our mob, regardless of, you know, if you're from outstation or if you're from inner city, inner city suburb, well, I'm just there as as a conduit and the brothers and sisters and my family and an awesome team I have and, and customers that work with us. Know that it's all about it's the future printing. It's not about the now. It's about the tomorrow always. Mm. And that's what Tagai is. That's what that's what tagai means for me. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful for the opportunity presented to work with you know with all these brothers and sisters, and even you know our brothers and sisters on country because there's so much distrust, mm. there's so much disrespect, and if I can do it in a small way through the work that we do, um to, to actually assist in that process then why not? And creating avenues for mobs, businesses and talent to work after me is what the focus is. And finally, I just want to share in regards to this point, sorry, I just feel very passionately about this, is that you know, I just want to say thank you, like SO, to everyone that has given, you know, to go, you know, Tagay management consultants the opportunity, including yourselves, to be able to allow us to support you, Bras, in the journey that you have. But the journey is a journey of one. The journey of a community, mm. and that's all we're just trying to do through the work we do. We don't get it right all the time, but damn, no one can question that. Tug- like me and Tugai, me and my company, one, I'm not black, and two, that we're here for our mobs. Mm.
0: Yeah, and never that's that's great advice, you know. Never forgetting that story of of where we all come from, and it isn't, you know, for I think for us, mob it's always been a bit. It's an infinite game in many ways. It's not about the here and now. Right. It's about the our children's children and you know the, the the future generations that 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 will precede us. Because if we're not looking after after them fellas, then what are you know we're not yeah what are we doing you know? Proper yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and you mentioned at the outset there, you know, you're a Torres, Torres Strait Islander man with strong links to the Torres Strait and and, and surroundings. Um, and like many mob, you live off country, including myself mm. and. There's there is a massive population of Torres Strait Islander mob in southeast Queensland. How do you maintain that yeah. connection to your homelands,
1: brother? In regards, so I think it's through inaction and in participation and connectedness. Right. The mm. first thing I want to share is that the journey of an individual, whether you're a brother or sister and your family, is a journey of your own. Right. And how you how you make sense of that is is no one no one can tell you. How to remain connected. No one can tell you who your mob are except for yourself, right? You own that. Mm. And I just want to celebrate that with each of our brothers. And it's also into including myself. And how I pay respects and, and remain connected with my mob is, as we all do in a lot of instances, is is through social media. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, through Instagram, primarily Facebook, you know, all the different family groups. It's really deadly to see all the family group Facebook um, pages that have been created. Yeah, um, remaining connected, seeing all them photos, supporting, commenting—you know, uh, we, you know, you and me both um, are really big embraces of social media and influencing in that space. Mm. I think through that, also, um, obviously, um, attending in a lot of instances, it's, it's for the the story business stuff, right? We we, we catch up with family, the family gatherings. And you don't want that to happen, and I've shared a number of times, and I'm sure you're the same with other brothers and sisters that are listening, is that why are we catching up when there's the good times or we're just catching up for parties, you know, yeah. for parties and celebrations except for the funerals and the tombstone openings and, and stuff that's happening, you know, in regards to someone that's lost. Mm. We, we need to refocus that. And then the other pieces that I do is obviously, as you know, my brother, I actively, uh, personally and through the business, we actively contribute to our family members, either if it be teams, events or individuals, um, we help sponsor them financially. And um, what I do, um, what I what I normally do, and it's normally just because there isn't the support services there. I normally periodically just pick up the phone and I, I just ring around to some of, some brothers just mm. to see how the hell they're doing because we don't have the support services for our men or our boys out there. Yeah, and so I'll, I'll ring up for a yarn, and, and it's also it's it's a, it's a strengthening piece for me culturally and remaining connected and who I am culturally because that's where it starts and ends for me. Yep. Around just having a yarn, having a mock. Um, you know, just having to muck around and being able to step outside the facade of business and just be, you know, Murray, brother mm, boy, mm. from community,
0: and and having a laugh too. I mean, I've, I've spoken to a fair few people on this program, and that black of humour is something that always comes down. You know, we because <laughs> we, we, you know, we the, there is some you know pro, quite damning stats out there about us. We we know that you know we, our history hasn't been um has been far from uh. You know, advantageous for us. So having that—that that, you know, Anna Jackie Huggins calls it—you know—liberation is is our humour. Uh, our our humour is our liberation. You know, it's our and we've got a distinct type of, of humour, don't we? You know, we just have a have a laugh yeah. and it gets us through those tough times in business or organisations or just life generally. Yeah, hundred percent. And look, um,
1: if we didn't, if we went. I think there's two things there, Bruce, I just want to take away, and that is, is one is it's not music, either country or any other genre, or having a laugh, or food. Yeah. Um, them three yeah. things I find that connect, no matter if you're Aboriginal, Torres Strait, or if I'm doing stuff in international um, and, and other countries, it seems to be them three to always connect to all of us, regardless of what language or what culture we're from, I believe.
0: <laughs> That's it, eh? You, all, all three at one, you know, Charlie Pride, Chicken Curry, and a good laugh with some good mob. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's too good. And if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Let's Talk Business, where we're talking all things Indigenous business, with our guest here today, Murray Saylor, the Founder and Managing Director of Tagai Management Consultants. Um, Murray, I want to talk specifically around the regulating bodies in place, including entities like Supply Nation and... There's others out there too, but they've been widely criticised across the years and you've seen the oper- operations across various different sort of capacities. How do you respond to their role in the sector and, and that criticism that comes with around it? I, th-
1: I think the first thing is to, I think, to to recognise and acknowledge is that before, you know, 2015 and maybe and probably 2000, there wasn't many Sort of regulatory bodies that were out there to help our mobs businesses, right? Even from a startup through to their growth or their viability aspects, mm. and I think just having that hands up support, I think I think we, we sometimes we get caught up in what it what those organisations aren't doing for us to what they've actually done for us. So I just wanted to sort of acknowledge that, and whether it be a lot of criticisms, and I, I've been along with the bandwagon, and I've been uh, you know been part of the narration around. Um, making sure that they, they improve and continuously improve and also learn um, the work outside of it. But actually just have an organization that are there for us to do the hand-up element, I think it's deadly, but I, I think it's awesome. The challenge is, is that when you're creating bodies based on a Western methodology, that is, white men way, mm. and then you're trying to embed the requirements that we require as black businesses, indigenous businesses around social, and business, like social impact and social inclusion and the social elements that impact our businesses and entrepreneurs along with the business requirements that are also very very unique because we're also dealing with a lot of still a lot of racism a lot of unconscious bias which is basically the same thing and various other challenges which are still there within a westernized construct that isn't being co-designed there are going to be challenges mm. um, from recruitment us because who's set them up and who's funded them, it's going to dictate how that contract runs, even though the regulatory bodies may have aspirations and want to operate another way. If they're being funded or if their money's coming from some way, they've got to be able to deal with two masters. One is the people that are funding them, that give them the money. Mm. Also, two, there are other masters, literally our indigenous businesses, because we're also making them look good when we're impacting into these corporates in regards to their journey. One of the things I want to share, Brass, in regards to the one message I want to share with all our with all, your, all the listeners that are, that are hearing in and, and take the time to, to honor us and, and, and listen to this conversation, is that whether you're a, a business owner, you're a professional, or even if that you're a student, all these support bodies, all these initiatives and programs can only be used and maximized by you if you understand what you want from it. Mm. If you have a particular person, you have to be able to go, I'm going to this, I'm not going there for the opportunity, this is what I want to do in relation to growing my business and then actively engage with those representatives and advisors that are in that organization to have them understand your business, to be able to assist you, support you and and in your business. But if you're expecting it to be a handout, not a hand up, then some of the things, the challenges that we say that are criticism, we also have to own that to some type of level. Mm. We have to own it because if you're in business, and you're thinking you're in business just because you're a black blackfella and there's an opportunity to make some bongos for yourself, then you're kidding yourself because that's at the nature of business. That's not how it operates. And so, and finally, sorry, Bryce, I'm going on about this, but the last thing I want to share with, share with our brothers and sisters and just part of this conversation here is that if we're building businesses to rely on regulatory bodies to keep our businesses afloat, then we're actually reflecting... A social welfare loop and of dependency that have existed for generations within our mob. Mm, mm. We're still expecting the hand up. We're still expecting someone to give us the hand through the door. Where we're is the self the self determination where we're taking ownership around our own commercial and social outcomes and grabbing it in two hands and going, "Thank you. This is what I need. This is what I want to get up to. It. Can you help me get there? If you can't, can you refer me to another organisations can make that happen? And how do I get? better in my business, somewhere around more than three to five years. Mm. And finally, bruss I just want to share from spirit and from my own knowledge is that for us to be stronger, to have to be stronger, there is no perceived shortcut here. What mm. we should be aiming for is not to be just Indigenous businesses, but to be deadly Indigenous businesses that are actually truly contributing to the economy, but also sharing a light to our our future generations that we don't need the hand up and that we can actually stand on our own two feet and do commercial, do the commercial dance, and various marketplaces here domestically and internationally, ind- individually, independently. That's what we should be aspiring to for our communities.
0: Yeah, it's some deadly advice, and it is. You know, if we can't be, if we are, if we're relying on on regulatory bodies or the support bodies to. Um, to keep us afloat as businesses or as a sector, then, you know, we, we are contradicting ourselves in that sort of sense. And it's probably a good a good point you bring there too around understanding what it is that we want. Like, I, I think there's a conversation to be had nationally with people like yourself and others that have been in business for a really long time to actually understand what is it that we want as a sector from the uh, regulatory bodies. Because yes. I think, as you said, there's the master that... A fund ultimately, any anyone that funds sets the sets the rules and parameters. But it'd be good to get a collective together to actually put to you know whoever it is, uh, whether it's federal government, state government, or these regulatory bodies, to say this is actually what we want from the from a from a re- regulatory body perspective. Mm.
1: Yeah, hundred yeah, yeah, percent. No, Sorry, brother. Sorry, it was a I was with passion. It's just obviously the big thing, and we, we interacted ebb and flow with it, either one in regards from an advisory perspective or impacting with customers that are miggly um, within a um, buyer base or our community is going. And they're scratching them with you, two going, hey, what's, what's it in for me, and, and how do I actually interact with that when it's all miggly faces that I'm looking at? Well, if we're not actively having the conversation, and act, as you've shared, we're designing and looking at the continuous improvement and opportunity, then, then how do they know and, and how do they improve?
0: That's it. And there is an important role um, for those organisations and any regulated, regulating body. And like you said, we do need to mm. influence that agenda. And I think yep. the, the collective approach is the is the way to do that. And um, anyway, maybe that's a project we can work on <laughs> over yeah, time. Brother. <laughs> I not that.
1: I think mean, yeah. that's another yarding circle. I think that's a... Um, I think that the yachting circles down at um, south bank there, and um, yeah, will help us solidify and um, have a number of our businesses and around around a campfire. I reckon it'd be deadly.
0: Absolutely, yeah, we should do it. And <laughs> we, we talked about some of that, some of that stuff. You know, there there are. Mm. Whilst we've done business for a long time, we are a relatively new sector. I think you know, in terms of the indigenous mm. business sector. So, what do you see as the biggest challenges that we're currently facing as an indigenous business sector?
1: yeah I look my mind um, my mind there's a, there's a few there's a few that's actually out there and what I'll do if it's okay with your okay I just want to share probably three or four uh, yeah. probably key ones and even more than that as you we both well know and our brothers and sisters that are listening will also be aware of. I think probably um top of the list for me is um, one is it's the double-edged sword. The indigenous procurement policies and criteria and a target if, if everyone knows has been created by various levels of government and industry. And um, it's created a lot of opportunity, right? Lots, lots and lots of money for a lot of indigenous businesses, who have been created. Um, it's a double-edged sword because the opportunity's been created. That's great; everyone's making money, economic development, sustainability, all that stuff is really, really wonderful. The other side, though, the other side is that it's also created division, like native title has, and that is, mm. you've got to set criteria. For example, a, a state has a criteria that the the company has to be from a state. Victoria, Queensland, New South Wales, whatever it is. And um, you have to recognize as an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander business based on a certain criteria. And that there are certain other bits and pieces that go along with that. I don't want to dive into it too much here, but from a macro level, from a broader level, families, is that what it does do, it impacts on collaborative, having collaborative partnerships Mm. interstate. It also, in part, it helps, it, it affects that. I'm not saying that it holistically does this, but even the bodies that support the effort. Are really, really key, like they're going. No, no, if you're from another state or territory, you can't do business here. We can't give you permission. Mm. Well, that native title is that is that a saying something in a different way as well? And is that actually helping that community, for example, if you have a, a state or territory who hasn't who isn't able to make widgets, mm. but another state and they got the indigenous business is able to have that capability and they're going, Hey, now you can not come down here, think, but man. But you can make widgets, and we need widgets to be done here. It creates a blockage and a barrier mm. for how we're meant to be doing business. And then mm. finally, around that particular point, it also, um, what it also does it creates a, a divide between our businesses. Yep. Oh, you're not from here, so I can't I can't work with you. Mm. And um, I think that's, that's that's one thing, So the policies are are uh, um, a double-edged sword, I believe. The second one I want to share with you, um, my brother, is is literally the impact of black cladding. Um, mm. And brother, do you want
0: to share with the listeners what black cladding is? Yeah, well, black cladding, you know, I think it has different definitions, but my take on black cladding is really about um, non-Indigenous businesses representing themselves as, in, as an Indigenous business to gain um, uh, an opportunity, you know, through the Indigenous procurement policy or, or otherwise. So it's really, it's, Yeah, it's misrepresenting. It can go right down to even things like fraud, really, Um, fraud identity and all sorts of different things, but there's plenty out there.
1: And so that's one of the challenges for obvious reasons is that, uh, if I can use it in inverted commas, families, but the black dollar, the perception of a black dollar Mm. that's been created, which has been awesome through what I said previously around the indigenous procurement policies, is a huge wave of these black-cladded companies that are coming into the marketplace that were never there before, mm-hmm. and what it does—what it does create in regards to it—is one is the opportunities not going down to obviously authentic um, indigenous businesses or communities, and more importantly, in regards to the intent of the policy or strategy or initiative, is also missed. That's also created because there's so much black cladding, and we do a lot of work in this space for us, like a lot of due diligence, like mm-hmm. from a procurement perspective around making sure that businesses, why is it going, are becoming a lot more smarter and going, hey, look, we have a 3% target to engage Indigenous businesses across our contracts, but we don't have trust the process that we know that they're actually truly an Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander business. Can you come in and do a bit of a deep dive underneath the hood of 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 the business, to make sure that we're dealing with an authentic Indigenous business here. So that's one of the other challenges. Mm. But the other challenge in regards that aligns with that, which sort of aligns with the, the, the first two, is the confirmation of Aboriginality or pure Torres Strait Islander. Mm. The processes and the mechanisms to ensure you are confirmed or you are truly, that you say that who you are is what you are, um, because there's different parts from stat decks that are being created to there was organisations I believe that were all you had to do was this thing and then you could just be signed off and various other um, different mechanisms to ensure because it's a condition to ensure that you have to prove that you are an Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander. Those processes and some of them that haven't got um, that are not reliable have also created a flow-on effect. So it starts from somewhere, right? So those black companies mm-hmm. Now, it's, 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 to be black is a, is a thing. Mm. Before the black dollar opportunities came out, everyone was trying to hide their, their skin color and where their, where their bloodline was from. Mm. Even the ones that were truly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, it wasn't the thing. Mm. All of a sudden, there's all this money that's rolling around and all these major supply chains everywhere around Australia. And now it's like everyone's scrambling to see if there's some connection there. Um, a a station owner been sleep with one of his maids and producer, you know, picking in there and, and they got some type of connection there. It's everywhere, even ancestry. I've seen an increase in ancestry, bro.
0: Well, the last census well, that, says everything. Hey, the, the yeah. increase in population yeah. um, and it's a massive, you know, it, it's something because if we don't talk about this identity issue, which is is a difficult one to talk about and it's a difficult one to yeah. tackle, but if we don't talk about the identity issue, then how? do we talk about the identity of an Indigenous business? Because the two are intertwined, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, proper. I think that's one of the challenges, but it creates another challenge amongst everything else, right, and I'm sharing. Mm. The other pieces in regards, I just want to share two more, Bras, if it's okay with you, and that is lateral violence within the sector. Um, You and I have seen it a number of times where, um, because of the perception, and I think part of it is the lack of commercial maturity and how we do business, we do business, right? Mm-hmm. Is that we believe that, and it 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 really is community level type thinking. And that is, look, I'm going to cut the grass of this other brother and sister here because they try, they're actually a competitor. But I'm going to try and I'm going to talk ill about them, or I'm going to point, go and attack them literally in the street, or on social media, or otherwise. What that does is, by virtue of doing that, what does that say to the buyer? Who wants Mm. to buy our services or product? They Mm. haven't got their stuff together. They're just having a yard. They're all all doing humbugging, all that stuff amongst themselves. Why would I want to do business with that sector when it comes with so much risk? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to share that. And and once again around, it stops collaboration, it creates a heap of distrust through businesses and the carry-on brush. You know, a number of times you and me have caught up and I've caught up with a number of brothers and sisters who'd be listening in and I had the same, argument going, why would you do that? I would use social media. Why don't you just do it our way? Pick up the phone and ask the question.
0: Yeah, have a yarn. Mm. Have a yarn. Mm.
1: But we all caught up in the social media and this and all various other aspects. And all it does is it confirms those people that keep knocking and trying to keep our people down commercially or socially from a bigger opportunity for us to be truly part of the national economy. But more importantly, to come together and find create um, bridge the gap between. Um, indigenous and indigenous brothers and sisters and community.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm all about accountability and transparency yeah. and all things. And I think it's just the approach, hey? There's a way to do it. And the cancel culture of um, social media is is certainly not, not, not it's not our way, I think. Yeah.
1: yeah. Mm. And then the final, the final one, Brust, and I'm sorry to go on, this is, this is a really, really key area. Is there's, there's a lot of challenges. And a lot of these are literally, when you just flip them on the head, they're, they're literally, they're really, really great opportunities. And that is the lack of philanthropic activity, that is family us investing in um, the culture and stuff that, that is being held in academia, in these museums and galleries, for us to actually support and ensure that our people, our old people that have been taken offshore in a place in the Brisbane um, British Museum or in other places around the world, um, that we're actually investing in our own to bring them back home and back to country. Mm. And what I do see is that philanthropic activity to invest in our culture and knowledge that are held by these academic and territorial that is museums and, and galleries. Family, um, there should be that, that is a challenge. If we're just making money for the sake of making money, and we aren't creating impact or investing into our own, either if from cultural lore or from a sustainability perspective, I think is a is a, a spot by that needs to be replaced in our indigenous business because we can only support our own.
0: Yeah, and that's our that's our role to play. You know, there's no regulatory body or anyone that can do that. That's about us having. Uh, being true to to our our yeah. core and our purpose as Indigenous businesses, and and being rep- reflective of that, and not just a, yeah, not just being an Indigenous business in inverted commas for an opportunity. Yeah, boss. Yeah, and there's a common thread there, I think, across it, all of those challenges that you explained, and I think the the, the common thread that I see is, you yeah. know, these Western structures that are set up and these systems that are set up, and then trying to figure out a way to. Adopt, you know, as Arnie Little Watson, who's um, very got a lot of knowledge and wisdom, would call it, you know, the Aboriginal terms of reference. How do we, how do we blow these systems up and operate them from our terms of reference first and foremost, and then, and then understand how that works in in the in the Western frameworks? Because I think it's always <coughs> Western framework first, and then, well, how do we, you know, how do we black this up, or how do we indigenize this? And it's always very difficult, and it creates it is it's native title all over again, trying to regulate uh, black ownership of land and country through a western mm. system, which is always going to be problematic.
1: And, and in regards to, and this one, I just want to share just to add to that, Bruce, and I don't disagree, is that, um, is that um, the indigenous procurement policy where we, uh, where it's being created by the federal government and state governments around their peace, is literally social dependency and welfare in a different way. Mm. It's still public money. And mm. we're getting a sensible that's public money from taxation, Mm. And we're getting money from the Indigenous procurement elements and those projects that are tied to that, it's deadly. But all of it is is the rewiring of that money that was literally program money that was targeted to our people, going through another third-party um, element, and it literally is coming back from public money.
0: Mm. And from a business point of view, that's very risky, you know, having that as a sole yes. revenue stream when, you know, they talk about that whole diversity of revenue streams and self-generated versus... You know, having that as a as a revenue stream, but not being the sole revenue stream, is a it's an important business decision that our mob need to start thinking about beyond procurement policies. Hundred
1: percent, and I'll, I'll share. I'll, I'll, I'll actually expand that a little bit more in for, for the part of our interview today. My yeah,
0: all good. Thank you. No, no worries. And there is, it's good to see. I think in in all other areas too that people aren't relying on the supply nation statuses of your regulatory bodies and all other things. They are doing a deep dive into, well, who is this business mm. and who sits behind it? And, you know, we've seen it in the art space, for example. You know, we've got yeah. consumers and, and and people that are purchasing art that are actually starting to ask questions to say, well, is this genuine or is it fake art from China? And it's starting to sort of take fold, I feel, in the in the business space, where we yeah, they're start, they're taking it on their own back and not just taking yeah, probably. yeah, which is it, it's a, it needs to be it needs to happen. Mm. And so, I mean, we talked about those challenges, Murray. So, how do we what do we what do we need to do to overcome them?
1: I think um, I think we've heard on a couple of times through our conversation today, brother, and that is co-design elements and co-design opportunities that really give voice to people that are actually dealing with the stuff written reality. For example, from a business perspective, and from a confirmation perspective, I think that's where it starts. We need to co-design a proper Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander confirmation process that is um, acknowledged and respected by all parts, private or public sector and communities, mm. um, to help us be able to go to clearly identify and respect that identity of that individual. Um, I think is a, is a big is a big part of, of us moving forward because that is such a that's becoming a really growing beast. I've seen some, some terrible conversations and arguments in the middle of Supply Nation trade shows and, and other parts um, that have really, really created not one this division within in the business sector, but in some parts when people are just going back home, it's as an individual, and they tend just trying to reconnect, and they're a stolen generation brother or sister, but they haven't been able to connect properly, and it's affected their, um, their, their own identity. Mm. And so it's more than business; it's around our own social social elements as well, Bruce.
0: Yeah, and and
1: the second one. Yeah, sorry, Bryce.
0: Yeah. No, it's a complex beast too, isn't it? It's not a simple.
1: It's not yeah. a simple fix. Yeah, hundred percent. Mm. And um, I've seen it in different ways um, within the international sphere. and um, I think it's another another conversation, but on Turtle Island in North America, amongst the tribal groups. They actually have cards for going on reservation, and it actually provides a. They actually did, they've been doing the the genetic element around how much um, how much um, uh, percentage of their blood is actual, and it will actually affect the level of service they ha- they receive.
0: Yeah, right. That's the that's some blood quantum stuff, eh? Like the
1: uh for us, But mm. but because of the the opportunity and what's happening, and not just the opportunity, but. Trying to hold on to your your, your your bloodlines, they felt the need to go that way, and whether it be um, colonizers um, infused or by our by our elders and ancestors in that particular space, or otherwise, I, mean, it's, I think it's just another example of what you shared this before, and that is that it, it is such a it is such a, a minefield. But there needs to be some clarity because it's impacting the dollar that potentially can create really true sustainability in all our all our, all our community.
0: Yeah, and it's an it's an interesting one because it, you know the current confirmation process. You know, you must identify, you must be recognised in in your community. Um, what's the third one? Um, anyway, there's three, and yeah, um, and it's interesting because I, I I don't know where that came from, but that from what I see, that's something that was handed down through a government sort of process. So. Um, you know, it's it. it does need. To, it needs to be a conversation led by us as mob, and to yeah, yeah. get to some sort of consensus on this is how we identify, uh, and yeah, and how, how does that look moving forward? Is mm-hmm. another important. The,
1: the, the impact that that impact of that piece, along with the, the black cladding piece, which obviously are interrelated amongst everything else that we're sharing today, is that if you don't get those foundational elements, what it does is it it muddies the water around our value proposition. As a product in business, or as a people, mm. because foreign investors and investors in business, including ourselves and each other, are going, "Hey, two brats! Mm. You, you 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 say you this, but I've been here, yeah, you, you you're not actually part of our mob." Mm.
0: Mm.
1: And so, it's creating division within division. And once again, like you shared earlier around native title, um, it's just one example, another paradigm, another another um, a conduit, another um, uh, construct. That um, in, a, in a lot of instances, has credit division, but also keeps us down at the the first step, and not allowed, that allowing us to extend um, up into the the high echelons of our our own um, our own greatness, and also our own power. Yeah, um, brother. In regards to if someone to share, I know I know I wanted to take up time. I've got two more um, suggestions around some some um, opportunities around what I've shared. Um, one of them is, is around redefining um, the supply diversity in social procurement. The, the contracts that govern the some of the opportunities that we're progressing as indigenous businesses um, to ensure in this instance that um, non-indigenous and indigenous businesses demonstrate investment back into homeland mm. um, tribes and families in areas of education culture and land sustainability or social and emotional well-being target areas mm. What I'm trying to share there is that it's great for us to come out here and we're making all this money and stuff, but the biggest piece in regards to it, it has to be uh, literally um, a spotlight around making us responsible to this money that we are seeing. that this money is literally about creating sustainability for all our mobs, you know, in regards to we have to give something back. biggest gap is remote areas or remote communities are regional areas, but also, you know, metropolitan areas, how so many times you walk from your office and you see all them homeless, young brothers and sisters or mm-hmm. young people who haven't got home and they've got to head into a bloody glue bottle or they're bloody um, doing some other humbuggery. And without investing, if we're investing on our own, it'll also help build the bucket of funds for our not-for-profits and organizations like yourself um, to be able to um, create greater reach, greater impact and, and greater results for our people.
0: Yeah, and we need to hold ourselves to account to that. We d- think the last thing that we want to do is, um, you know, create this black middle class that you know we yeah. might forget about the the other because that's not what we're about. We're all about, you know, we're all about community and and social impact, as you said, and and bringing everyone up with us.
1: Yeah, and then finally, Brass, I just want to leave you this one with one more, if you don't mind, and it's back to that philanthropic. It's about once again just taking ownership. We got to self-determine our own our own pathways, and that is. The regulatory, the knowledge keepers, the, the museums and um, the the academic the institutions that are holding our knowledge or are focused on those type of areas, like you said about performing arts and everything, need to evolve their philanthropic programs to attract Indigenous business investment. Um, it's one thing to share this, but the other piece is and it's, it's a real piece, is that a lot of the institutions that are around and everything are doing some really, really great steps. But there's a lot that could be doing a lot more in regards to attracting um, Indigenous brothers and sisters to invest in their own, and also be part of that philanthropic um, community to give back to, to, to create equity, to create respect for our own people, but also investment to ensure that our tomorrow generations actually do learn and understand about some of their assets, mm. their artifacts, their paintings, their old people that have returned back on country. Their bodies that have been taken away for science and whatever—that yeah. that is part of our history. That moving forward as well.
0: Yeah, the philanthropic space is is fairly untapped, I think, from an indigenous space. And there's a there's a lot to be answered for for those mob that have you know that have built their wealth on the back of um, of of our mob and and that so. Yeah, there's. And so you've seen the world stage of Indigenous business in your travels across across the world. So, what's there to learn about Indigenous business in other countries like Canada, New Zealand, and beyond?
1: Russ, quickly, um, it's about that first conversation is a connection culture, like we all do, is that it is, is, is paramount. Mm. Who are you, Mob? Where are you from? Tell us about your people. Mm. So, you create that similarity, that, that comfort with each other. Because the initial thing is going, who are you? Mm. What are you here for? Mm. Where are you in my country? Mm. So that's number one. Number two is our stories are similar. So our efforts in economic, ecological, social and the cultural sustainability are also similar. So there's lessons to be learned, there's best practice, there's some things that are working in other countries. That i working. For example, um, our Maori brothers and sisters have created Amatai, let it, that is an equivalent to Supply Nation. But they always say, "Look, your procurement, your Indigenous procurement spend is, is massive. Can we learn from you?" So, uh, you know, businesses like I've gone over there and spoken a couple of times about supply diversity, and social procurement. How could that look from a Maori or a, a Pacifica perspective? Mm. The third piece, brother, in regards to that, I've also learned is that trust and respect has been affected by colonisers. Right, their policies. Mm. And it's created distrust. It's created a barrier. And we have to understand and respect that for it to be demolished or broken down for us to do effective business together. Because that is, our narrative will connect us, connect businesses to be able to do the work besides the products and services that we're delivering to the marketplace. But, and then finally, trade with international communities or businesses or anything in that space has to be based on reciprocity. That is both countries should be able to contribute individually to each other in some way, some form, because that's how you build connection. That's how you build commercial sustainability. But more importantly, you widen, you widen the door for other brothers and sisters to be comfortable to do work in that space. So you're a trailblazer in the work that you're doing. You can also influence and inspire other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander brothers and sisters.
0: Yeah, and, and just like the philanthropic space, I think that's untapped. I think the international trade... Pieces untapped. And you often talk about, you know, a global village and it's not a new phenomenon that we've created, uh, not only within ourselves and our nations within this continent, but also, you know, the documents of uh, the the things that have been documented through our own stories with the Yongu mob and the Macassans and, you know, Indonesia and all other things. Mm. Like, that. that's an untapped piece, isn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And look, the first thing is that um, if we're doing business to add fuel to the fire and what we're sharing, what's sharing there brass is that... When we are doing business internationally, and even if we're visiting as tourists over in another country, we have to be mindful that um, we're representing our country. We are. We're representatives of Australia. Mm. Um, when we're doing business, we're representing our tribes and our people. And I, I think sometimes we forget that, considering if we're overseas, we're ah, going we'll go bomb up and party up here. Mm. You're leaving a footprint for another one. Oh, you know, so-and-so, they come over here, and they were here, mucking around here. Getting charged muck. up, bombed up there. You know
0: mm. what
1: I mean, <laughs> mm. <laughs> and so and I've been in, a, in a various um, various situation delegations where I've seen that happen. Yeah. Um, the other piece in regards to that that um, about international, but the international trade space is that it, it requires our businesses that are aspiring to do that is you have to you have to win locally, you have to win here, and it makes sure that your balance sheet is really strong here because you're extending into another space potentially that hasn't got any support. That might be able to help you give it a hand up to establish in that into that um, into that marketplace, and so it requires flexibility. It requires a lot of agility, and awareness of, of cultural jurisdiction. That is understanding the that the country that you're on, man. Like you don't just go another man country and help yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: If there's a protocol to follow. Then follow that. But at least make an effort to understand where you are trying to create your footprint, but also the other piece. And back to the regulatory body um, element, um, families who are listening and brother is that there's there's some good initiatives out there. You know, Austrade, you've got the Export Council of Australia, you've got all the Chambers of Commerce, Supply Nation has now created something called Export Nation, you've got Ignite, you've got all these different programs and advisors to guide the journey and and importantly prepare you for the journey. But the most important, the first step is your own. And you need to be really, really clear that this is what you want to do because it's not for everyone, bruh. International trade, It's not for everyone. Not everyone can do it. It is the honest truth.
0: Well, I can imagine, you know, yeah, you have to, you could imagine you'd have to have infrastructure in place. You know, there's different laws, there's different tax laws, there's all different complexities of business. And if you're fresh into business and you don't understand those fundamentals, then that's just setting yourself up to fail, I think.
1: But uh, there is a renewed, the, 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 the line at the end of the tunnel is that, as you shared, um, most and uh, I respected for is that we have been for millennia, both Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, been, been, been trading mm. amongst ourselves, amongst our own tribal groups, um, with the Macassans in the Southeast Asia. Our, our connections are, are everywhere, mm. and um, there is a renewed commitment to create indigenous-to-indigenous trade um, elements. There's various people and, and organizations that are doing that the right way, and there's others that are doing it probably a little bit more challengingly. But in regards to, there is, around tribes, this is that we've um, had an opportunity to go over with the, the Many Nations organization and Brother Scott Anderson last year, and we're talking to tribal brothers and sisters on reservations in North America on, on Turtle Island, mm. and talking about these very aspects. And they, there is definitely a, a cross-pollination, across a relationship that is is there and should be reinvigorated outside of Southeast Asia where our normal footprint is into the wider global spaces. And we've seen so many examples of it being done right and other ways in other times we've seen it been been done wrong. But we also have to um, understand that we are a product. We are representing a a people and that we have to be mindful that we're taking that on our sleeve and in our heart when we are going to these other wonderful countries.
0: Yeah, and our, our cultural principles of local protocol and engagement you know, it doesn't, um, doesn't limit ourselves to the different nations when we're trading even in this continent. It's the same principles that apply when we go anywhere. Mm. You we can't, yeah. Like- yeah, absolutely. And just to, just to wrap up, Murray and I ask this question to all my guests, but I just want to transport you in time to 50 years from now. It's 2073. What does Indigenous business look like?
1: Now, um I had a long and hard think about this brush. And one of the things that... So some of the things I'm going to suggest are both... I'll, I'll provide some um, some input on some of the ones that I've suggested that are probably our listeners are probably going to go, what the hell is he saying? But I'll, I'll provide some context around that. Mm. The first one is in regards to... I think there's going to be a heap more increase of Indigenous businesses in um, mergers and acquisitions. That is merging with other companies, buying companies, um, into that space because at the moment we're just creating our own elements, right? Or or in some instances, as we shared earlier, and black plating partnering with another organization that isn't necessarily indigenous mm. to create. And there's nothing wrong with that, it's just how you do that, right?
0: Yeah.
1: So um, one of the things is I see a big increase of our businesses and communities who have got Bungu and hair to be able to, to enter that mergers and acquisition space. Yep. Um, the second one in regards to it, I see uh, a greater investment from our businesses. Um, into our own Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tertiary institutions. We don't have any. Mm. Um, if they're government-supported, government you've got centres, and they're supported by government. But I haven't seen, I think there'll be a lot more investment by our own businesses, one like in, um, in, in North America, amongst the African-American brothers and sisters, around our own black colleges, our own black educators, and as professionals that are graduates or coming through university or any of those other elements, seeing us invest in our own in creating those type of um, those type of institutions is really powerful and I see that. Yeah. The second one, the third one is there's gonna be more international trade. The ecosystem is going to be inclusive, with there's a lot more a lot more of that's gonna happen, which is really, really exciting from across the whole industry, which also uh, evolved evolves our thinking as Indigenous businesses will become more mature, which is coming to my the next point around our commercial sector acumen will mature. Like our brothers and sisters from China and up, their, their, their commercial acumen is deadly. Mm. You can question around, not about the cheap manufacturer, but how they think about business. Mm. It's business first. You know, so um, I think that's peace. The last point in regards to it, and this is what I'll put some context around, is that seeing what we're experiencing now in 50 years and around the, the breakdown, the, the, the holding on to our identity and our cultural connections back to homelands and an increase of the migration of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander families um, and students into the eastern, the seaboard, into metropolitan areas and less brothers and sisters going back into the communities and generationally starting to disconnect. Yep. From their homelands and their people and their tribes, what I can also see is literally a dilution of connection to culture and identity
0: mm. Mm. yeah, some good points raised there and um, and throughout the whole program you know we 've um, we 've tackled some pretty big issues and um, and yeah. you know come up with some. Some really, you know, there's there's further conversations that, that need to happen from here, and um and it's been great to have your company, and really, really thank you for your time for coming on the show today, uh, Murray.
1: No worries, my brother, and looking as as always, you know, if we're not um, information is not power. Information is a way for us to empower and enable each other. If we're holding onto power, then we're actually buying into the colonizers' thinking, and we need to colonize decolonize thinking, and also what we're doing as a people to come back together. Because there's a truth within the truth that isn't being shared, right? And mm. the truth is, is that we still have challenges in our community. We're entering a space within the voice and the treaty aspect, but have we actually dealt with this, the truths that are inside and the challenges that continue to exist in our communities amongst our tribes, our peoples, even families?
0: Absolutely, and uh, what a way to wrap the show! And I just want to thank uh, all the listeners out there today. Um, you've been tuned into Let's Talk Business. If you want to catch uh, catch up on today, or 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 another episode, just jump online to au. Thank you very much. No more whispering in our mind Let's talk, Monday to Friday at 9am no on AAA now. Murray Country, the National Indigenous Radio Service and iHeart Radio. You can catch up on triplea.org.au, Proudly supported by the Community Broadcast Foundation.